It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says it's so hard to say goodbye to tomorrow. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. Uh, so guys, this is it. Um, this is our final episode of the audio podcast format for Forward Thinking. And uh, this was not something that we were uh, pushing for. It's something that kind of happened. The video series is going to continue on. Uh, we really appreciate all you fans out there who have yes. been sending us messages all this time. Uh, and we didn't want to just leave with like an episode and then have nothing happen. So this is kind of our goodbye episode. We wanted to uh, spend a little time thinking about some of the topics that we talked about in the past and 
kind of just going over a little bit of stuff about the episodes we've done so far. Uh, first, uh, before we even get started, I want to play this tiny clip from the very first episode of Forward Thinking's audio podcast called Forward Momentum. Welcome to Forward Thinking. This is how we introduced ourselves in that very first episode. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Forward Thinking. I am your host, Jonathan Strickland, and I am joined by two phenomenal people, two of my favorite people the whole wide world, and I'm going to have the first one introduce herself to you right now. Hey, I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. I am the uh, co-host of another technology podcast called Tech Stuff. Hi, I'm Joe McCormick, and I'm a writer for the Forward Thinking video series. Excellent. And so this audio podcast... Okay, so uh, we livened up a bit since then. Um, Did we? Yeah. Was I very reserved? You were a little reserved. But, I mean, you were. Joe had just started podcasting when he joined... Uh, and we started doing the the forward thinking audio podcast, and now you're a pro. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was your that was your first time podcasting ever for that first episode, was it? Yes, it was. Wow. So uh, I thought we could touch a little bit on some of the topics that we've covered, talk about some of our favorites, and just some other like behind the scenes type stuff in a very short kind of farewell to the fans episode. Uh, now we've recently done episodes where we talked about 3D printers again and driverless cars. We talked about that in in an episode like two back. So I don't want to even touch on those because we've already just covered them. But the very first topic we covered on forward thinking was the Internet of Things, which is no big surprise. It's a huge topic, very buzzy. It was especially buzzy right that very moment. Yes, it's still still buzzing right now. But it, it was one of those things where there was the topic was just starting to get uh, some momentum in the public consciousness, although I think there are still a lot of people who don't know what the Internet of Things means. Uh, but recent stories have, you know, been... Uh, continuing to develop around the Internet of Things, the basic idea being that you have all these different devices that can connect to the Internet and share information in some way or enact uh, change in your environment in some way. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the stories I wanted to mention is that apparently that also means uh, creating lots more security vulnerabilities. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you got a ton of stuff connected to the Internet. Uh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. And not all of it is as protected as your notebook or yes. even your less protected items. Smartphone. Also, yeah, yeah. Pe- people are still terrible at passwords. Right. So one problem is that you got a lot of Internet of Things devices that don't have any password protection at all. Another problem is that some of them have hard-coded passwords, meaning that if you get access to what a company uses as the hard-code password for that particular product, it's open season. And then a lot of people just never bother changing the uh, the the standard password that comes like with a router, for example. Uh, I uh, got a new router, and so I went in and changed the password because uh, the default password was password. Do you remember when we did the story about the baby monitors that yes. were being taken over by hackers from all over the world to yeah. watch yeah. in on other people's babies and talk to them and like yell at them and tell them to start crying? Yep. Yep. That's not not cool. Uh, and but I think that was because of unchanged default passwords. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It exactly was. Be- was what, what, wasn't there a story about like like utility centers like like river dams or something like that <laughs> having software in them that well, had unchanged passwords there were there were stories of there were stories of they uh, were using baby monitors to control the dams oh. there, were, there were stories of of code found in some of those systems where it was clear that uh foreign agents had managed to infiltrate the systems of various important utility companies across the United States and put in code that was not meant to be there uh, through whatever I mean, who knows how it got there it could have gotten there by a thumb drive or you know anything but 
the reason why I bring up Internet of Things in particular is that recently there was a story uh, that I saw in Tech Dirt about a security researcher named Brian Krebs who was the target of a, a directed denial of service attack, a DDoS attack, uh, where apparently he was being hit by 620 gigabits per second of traffic to the website that he he has. That's a lot of gigabits, huh? Gigabits, yeah. When a Google Fiber connection is one gigabit per second, and that's way faster than anything I have, 620 is massive. And the they suspect that the a lot of this traffic came from Internet of Things devices like uh, digital video recorders and so routers. This means that the hacker who was perpetrating the attack had captured lots of devices out in the wild Essentially. and made them work for him or her. Yeah. Like Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very much okay. so. Uh, there are other issues with Internet of Things like the concept of privacy. We've talked about this before. The idea that if you have an environment that's going to uh, react to you and change according to your preferences, it has to know about you in order to do that which means you give up some of your privacy, even if it's not your name or any other kind of uh, demographic information about you. It starts to learn your preferences, which alone is a very valuable uh, database of information for lots of different companies. And uh, as it turns out, just if you want an Internet of Things that is customizable and personalized – then you it has have to, to know about your person. Yeah. 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 So that's a growing concern. Uh, all that being said, I still think the Internet of Things concept is really cool. But, um, you know, it's we, we need to be really aware of how we develop and implement that technology in order to do it responsibly. Uh, some of the other cool things we talked about in those early episodes. So I was going back through and I was looking at all the different titles and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, I reminded I was reminded that how much I loved the episodes we did about time. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about how time is dependent upon your context, right? Your frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So if you're traveling super fast and, and someone else is on is not traveling super fast from your perspective, traveling super fast, it looks like their life is just whooshing by. And from their perspective, it would look like you are barely moving at all within the frame of whatever oh, yeah. vehicle you're going super yeah, fast in. Yeah, that, that episode gave me a headache, I remember. Because <laughs> yeah, it was all like time is relative, literally relative to your frame of, of reference. That's why we say that. Though I know um, some people take that to mean that time does not exist, to which I disagree. Yeah, I saw a recent article about uh, people suggesting that time was merely – so, uh, a construct in our minds that was essentially our brain's way of making sense of things and that time's arrow doesn't point in one direction because if you start looking at massive uh, calculations on the galactic scale, they are reversible whether time travels in one direction or the other. So it may just be that at our very tiny local level, we have to have time going in a specific way or else things don't make sense. I'm like, what? But – what? <laughs> I, I, I think time definitely Agreed. does exist, but it's possible that the present does not exist. I get presents all the time. Uh, we also talked about uh, some pop culture stuff. Two of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Yeah, those uh, back to Back to the Future Part Two, Parts One and Two. Yes, were... <laughs> my favorite was Back to Back to the Future Two Part Two. That was my favorite title yeah. ever. Uh, those <laughs> those were some great episodes. Yep, well, that's where we learned that everyone will have a fax machine in every room of their house. Yes. Many people will did be we, Michael J. Fox. Did yeah. we rate that true? I think we said that was a good one, right? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. I, it's been the, a long time. The, the what's a, the pizza disc where they stick a little pizza disc? Yeah, you in really the, know uh, how to hydrate a pizza. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And half of the pizza had just had bell peppers on it, and I was like, "What is wrong with you?" Yeah. 
You know, one of my favorite episodes we ever did was the one about the future of talking, the future mm. of speech. Uh, yeah. Maybe not the future of talking. That's not how I should put it. Language. The languages <laughs> that we speak. Because uh, languages change over time. They evolve over time just like organisms do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on much shorter time scales and in very interesting ways. One of my favorite classes I took in college was the history of the English language. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning about that, how English has changed since, you know, the, the year 800. And it has changed dramatically since then. It very much. Yeah. An English speaker today without a lot of training could not read old English, no, yeah. Anglo-Saxon language. You would need to have – you would sit there and say like, I'm pretty sure this is German. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and we, we also got to, to read a bunch of, of, of different bits of language from, from uh, like 100 years in the past each time, like 70 years in the past, something like that. We jumped back and back and back until uh, – Until John, I did uh, Old English. Thought yeah. Was yeah. 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 That what? was fun. What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite hailing. And I did the Juan de April with the Shorra Suta for uh, the Middle English. Yeah, yeah. It was, Jonathan, it was a great episode. What? Okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, so we, we talked about how language changes over time and we tried to think, okay, well, looking at how language has changed in the past, could we make predictions about the future? We made a few but uh, but we weren't able to make all that many predictions about how English is going to change in the future because, I don't know, it's hard to predict things like this. But I went back to see if there had been anything interesting uh, published on this topic since our podcast came out. Mm-hmm. And son of a gun, one really <laughs> interesting article I read was from The Economist and uh, it was published just about a month after our podcast came uh, out. This is the problem with uh, the future. It keeps arriving. Oh, and and it would have been a great resource for us because it was really interested, mm-hmm. interesting. So it pointed out one thing about English that is going to be highly determinative of how it changes in the future, which is that about two-thirds of the people who speak English in the world are not native English speakers. Mm-hmm. More people speak English as a non-native language than as a native language. Hmm. And so it's possible that English is actually used more as a kind of lingua franca around the world than it is as somebody's default speaking language. And there's no real sign of this reversing. So what does this mean for the future of English? And uh, and the article pointed out that linguistics researchers have short they've sort of shown that bigger languages that you know incorporate more speakers tend to become simpler as a language is spoken by more non-native adults. It's likely to lose unnecessary bits and rules such as grammatical inflection. Jonathan, huh. you know this from the history of English. Sure. English used to have different versions of the same word depending on what grammatical role that word played in English. And some languages are still like this. Well, yeah, like uh, English used to have different words for you, as Mm -hmm. in singular you, and you as in a group of people you. In fact, if you get down to it, it had you, you too, and all of you guys yeah. Uh, which we oh, in the, we in the South still have because we yeah. have y'all, and that that's a totally different type. And my of favorite, distinction. which is all right. y'all. That's true, all y'all, which is way more people than just y'all. Oh man, I love all y'all. Yeah, y'all is a good word. I I think all English speakers should adopt y'all. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so 
the example that uh, that is given in the article of the the grammatical inflection oh, sure, sure, changing yeah. would be who versus whom. Right. So oh, it's the same uh-huh. word, but it changes whether based on whether you're using it as the subject or the object mm-hmm. in a sentence. Mm-hmm. English used to have this kind of thing for all kinds of words. That's true. And mm-hmm. most of these have already gone away, and whom is probably going to disappear as well. But we can expect similar types of streamlining of the rules of language. And a, and a good way to figure this out is to listen to adults trying to learn to speak English. Mm-hmm. Whatever is tripping them up the most, say like verb tense aspect, which is where there are three different forms of the present tense. Mm-hmm. So like uh, let's say you know, you've got a saw and you're sawing a board. So you say, I saw – Mm-hmm. You can also say I am sawing. Mm-hmm. You can also say I do saw. You're no matter what you're sawing all in the, the what, what is with all these different tense cases? This is stupid. <laughs> We're probably going to lose stuff like that. I'm okay with most of that. Yeah, we we can also expect uh dialects and pronunciation to continue to change a lot the northern cities shift in how we pronounce American vowels. Uh, that we mentioned that in our old episode. And another interesting thing they pointed out in this article is, is sort of EU-isms, which is how wor- the meanings uh, of words changing based on words in English being misused because similar sounding words mean something different in another language. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, so th- they give a great example of this. I'm just going to read a quote from the article, quote, For example, European Union bureaucrats are likely to use the English control to mean monitor or verify because controller or controllerien have this meaning in French and German. Uh, Other examples are assist for attend and actual for current. Yeah, control being used to mean monitor or verify could cause some real confusion right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you use that in just the. Oh yeah. You know, you talk about like let's say let's say that you're talking about monitoring the behavior of a crowd. If you're talking about controlling the behavior of a crowd, that has a totally different meaning, right? Yeah, now. yeah, and I'm sure it could lead to those kinds of confusions. But uh, but yeah, I don't know that that was really interesting to me. I don't know, maybe this is more interesting to me than it is to other people. But no, I, I love it's trying to imagine. Just how the very words we speak will be different. You well, know? And, and we had so many episodes that kind of were spokes connected to this concept, right? We had the ones where we said, well, how do you create a language that people will be able to understand 10,000 years from now, right? How do you create uh, ways of alerting people to your intent when you have no way of knowing how how the language is going to evolve, change? Maybe even the language you're using is completely eradicated by mm-hmm. the time. Right. And And you need that for certain things like telling people, hey, this is where we stored all our nuclear waste. Don't go in here. Exactly. Don't touch it. Don't yeah. put it in your eyeballs. Or it's going to be dangerous or, for longer than your language exists. On right. your eye stalks, and what, then, whatever you exactly. have. <laughs> well, on yeah. eye stalks, that's a great way of saying we also had a, an episode about how would we talk to aliens. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. We really did focus on language in quite a few episodes. and, and Possibly because we're all in- English majors. I was about to make the same <laughs> reference. Yes. Uh, the fact that we're English majors probably had something to do with that. But it's, it is a really interesting to think about, a thing to think about. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we only uh, communicate in uh, references and metaphor the way that Star Trek Next Generation episode everyone likes but is actually secretly terrible um, <laughs> did. 
Do you know I what do I'm not about? remember that one. The Star Trek episodes. Is that Picard, the one called Darmok? Yes, Darmok. Dar- so Picard beams down to a planet. Uh-huh. He's down with an alien leader. They do not the, – the universal translator will not translate what the guy is saying. And the guy only speaks in um, – in, in, uh, Mime? References to things that are relevant in his culture. So – like if he wants to say, I wanted it to be mime, right? Well, sadly, no. Okay. Uh, or interpretive dance would have been sure. great too, but neither is true. So, so if he wanted to say, "You and I need to work together in order to overcome this challenge," instead he would say like Darmok and Janad at Tanagra. That would be because in his culture that references a story of two people who used to be at cross purposes, but who then work together to overcome a third problem. Uh, that would be. But the the issue I have there is that unless you have a language, you cannot build the stories that sure. you then use as reference to communicate your ideas. Well, right. maybe they had a language and they forgot the language. <laughs> Just, and now, but how do you? That seems like a really inefficient way to teach people how to communicate it, it, when you're talking. It to, really is like talking to a baby. Like once they get to the point where they are beyond making the actual sounds, like all right, now I got to teach you an entire sentence to mean this general. Story. idea yeah. that, that can be applied to anything that falls within that general idea. I can imagine that it, maybe if uh, all teaching of language is done with visual aids, like if they don't just have books that are just text, but everything is like captions accompanying images. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, th- there was an interesting play by uh, by Johnny Drago that happened here in Atlanta that posited um, – <laughs> that uh, that in some not too distant future, uh, our, our archaeologists would would find scraps of 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 what we know today as human language and and call it proto emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I both love it and hate it at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic, uh, Jonathan. What's your favorite emoji? <laughs> I mean, poop. <laughs> it's always going to be the answer. I'm a big fan of the alligator. I don't know why. Sometimes I just send my wife an alligator. I, I yeah. very, I very rarely. I mean, the closest I I use are still emoticons. I don't tend to use a lot of emojis. Some some of the chat stuff will automatically translate an emoticon into an emoji. I always get so mad about that. Yeah, I'm like, if I wanted an emoji, I would have put it in there. Myself. I just wanted a colon and a and a you know a close parenthesis. I didn't want it to right? be like this weird gaping smiling thing. <laughs> uh, but I'm old. <laughs> so <laughs> Okay, I've got another favorite episode. I okay, wanna... you don't want to tell us about your favorite emoji? Oh, you did. You did alligator. I, oh. I like alligator and I like the devil. There's, oh, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. devil one. I like That's... I like the I like the cat, not the cat face, I but the but the kind of disdainful that... cat. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like I don't like, like, I don't, cat like frowning upon you. Yeah, I don't know how a cat that's like less than a centimeter manages to still look disdainful. It's <sighs> like a cat superpower. I'm pretty <sighs> sure disdainful cat and devil are you synonymous. You suck at petting. Yeah. All right. What what any other favorite episodes you want to cover? Yeah, there was one I remembered that I, I had a lot of fun thinking about, and it was the one about uh, what happens when a robot breaks the law, mm-hmm. where we were covering a couple of stories about uh, computer programs that had, co- had that had done something autonomously mm-hmm. that required the attention of law enforcement. Now, it's not any big uh, problem to imagine what should be done when a robot does a essentially performs a directed action that it was programmed to do right. and then it breaks the law. Right. Then you would you would argue whoever whomever programmed the robot would be at fault. Yeah, but what about when when robots or computer programs autonomously do something that has harmful legal repercussions but nobody directly told it to do that as just emergent behavior? Sure. 
Uh, and so uh, I, I really remember thinking that was a very interesting pro- uh, problem to, to think about, like what it, it makes you consider what is the nature of legal and moral responsibility, mm-hmm. who really should bear it. And then also I know that you guys did an episode without me about robot personhood, which I think sort of revisited this topic, didn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely. It wasn't on purpose. We wanted you to be there. You just weren't there for whatever personal reason you had for not being there that day. We weren't I like, let us exclude Joe from this episode. I think that's when I was out of town for something. Yeah. I, I would imagine yeah. so. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, the episode was called Our Robots Electronic Persons. It was from July of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, we, we did it because um, the European Parliament had released a proposal for civil laws that relate to robotics um, and uh, very much so talked about section of, of this proposal discussed possibilities for robot personhood. Right. Essentially, this was a committee that said we got together to think about these things that we've been saying we should think about for quite some time. And here's what we concluded. And they had some suggestions, but nothing that was definitive. Right. It wasn't mm-hmm. like this was going to be enacted into law. Yeah. It was more like we really should have a committee that's thinking about this thing that can create something that can be enacted into law. Right. Here's here's a here are some basic ideas that we could head toward, but we're not suggesting this is the end goal. Rather, these are the sort of things that these dedicated committees should talk about. It was a meeting calling for more meetings. Yeah. But they were also being the more specific. Kind of <laughs> they were also calling for people who were experts not just in the technology but also in social uh, social law, things that would be uh, important to make sure they could roll out also throughout the entire European Union and not – they didn't want to see a future where – Various countries were taking their own approaches to this and creating an incompatible system within the European Union. So it was actually a very, a very forward thinking proposal. There were segments in it that did kind of lend themselves to at least some simple jokes about the idea of robots, like robots getting paid a salary, for example. Uh, but the whole purpose of that was not to pay a robot so that the robot is motivated to do a good job, but rather to have a fund so that if that robot ever were to do something that would cause harm or damage, then money from that fund could go toward compensating the injured party. That sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really an interesting thing to look into. I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed that episode. Both of those episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a lot of my favorite ones over the years have, have of course, been the medical ones. That's kind of one of my beats. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so excited whenever we get to talk about things like vaccines or pain or right. blood or bacteria. <laughs> Um, those... I was not in a few of these. I know that because I listened to so many <laughs> in preparation <laughs> for this episode. Uh, so, so, so those those have been some of my favorites, and, and of course, medical technology is advancing all the time. Sure. I honestly didn't check to see what exactly we said about things in all of those episodes. I just wanted to be like, oh man, wasn't it great when we talked about the future of blood? Yeah, wasn't it? Blood was fun. I think uh, I think blood <laughs> the blood was the one that I think we released it with a technical error where my microphone was turned off. Oh, and, every, oh. and they were hearing me through y'all's microphones, and yeah. then we had to re-release had, it. Yeah, mm, that sometimes happens. Yeah, sure. Te- technical difficulties do in fact occur, although uh, for for the for for very much the most part, uh, Mr. Noel Brown and Mr. Dylan Fagan do excellent work. Yeah, uh, he is waving at us right now. Another one, as I was scrolling through our archive, uh, was the one about uh, search results and swaying elections I from really August liked, of 2015. Yeah. I like that uh, one, too. Because that was one that I, I – I love it when I'm completely flabbergasted by things that I learn yeah. here around the HowStuffWorks offices. Yeah. And, and that was one that I had no idea about. And it was so surprising to me. Um, the, 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 the concept is that um, we all rely on Google 
so so much and so trustfully that mm-hmm. um, that the first what is it four search results or I mean depending on the size of your screen I suppose that show up in your immediate field of vision are basically what what opinion you draw about something that you don't know about right you don't you don't very few people go beyond even what is above the fold right uh, if they do scroll down they even fewer will go to page two for example of results and and to go beyond that is essentially unheard of so. Uh, if you are able to position your results so that they appear in those first couple of links, you are in a really good position to have people check your stuff out. So if you have and to believe it, to, to, to believe that because it is that high in the Google search that's ranking, also that true, it yeah. is a worthwhile news source. Yeah, Google has built its reputation on having very reliable search results. So part of that then lends this idea that whatever links you see have inherent credibility to them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and and this is a story that we've seen resurface as we lead up to the elections here in the United States. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I saw a story where this same sort of idea was being brought up. In fact, I think at one of our pitch meetings for How Stuff Works, someone brought it up uh, on a Monday editorial brainstorming. And when I heard that, I'm like, I'm pretty sure we covered that like a year ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so I guess as the elections are coming up as of this recording, do do actual research. Don't do Google research yeah, is, yeah. is what, what Dive it comes in. down to. At this point, is anybody still forming their opinions of the candidates, though? Well, the presidential candidates, maybe not, but local local candidates. Oh, yeah, good point. There are many local candidates to be to to take into consideration. I, I think I think a majority of Congress members are up for reelection yep. this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't yeah. know. Maybe yeah. if y'all have some opinions about how things have been happening in this country, um, check yeah. that out. Yeah. Rock the vote. Don't write my name in for anything. <laughs> I don't need that level of responsibility. Too late. I early <laughs> voted. I wrote you in. No. For everything. Luckily, not every state is allowed to do that. So I, I'm not going to become the governor of everywhere. I don't have that, <laughs> that kind of time. That would be real awkward. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I can't split my time like that. Uh, other other favorite episodes are, of course, the food episodes. And we've had some <laughs> great episodes about food. Yeah. Um, uh, we had that really early couple of episodes about the future of protein. Um in, in which we mentioned that uh, we mentioned that lab-grown burger. Yeah, this was in 2013, mm-hmm. and and at the time carried a three hundred twenty-five thousand dollar price tag. Yeah, um, which we all agreed was a bit steep it for was, a burger. Yeah, even even for one grown in a lab, I think that'd be a bit dear for me. Sure, skates. Uh, as just just three years later, these things cost eleven dollars and thirty six cents to produce. Phenomenal. Now you're talking about. Atlanta high-end burger joint price ranges. Oh, yeah, yeah. There are burgers sold in the building we're in right now that cost more than that. Yes. Yep, that's true. Right downstairs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but so that was fascinating. The Borg chef, y'all. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. In- including our very, like, I think still our favorite moment in all of forward thinking when you guys looked up recipes um, <laughs> that Chef We never Watson did cook any of those recipes. But we oh, we no. still can, just not, just not on this audio that's show. True. Snack stuff sometimes. Snack stuff, 2,000%. Yes. Yeah, oh, you can man. make that. What was it? The- I want a cooking show. There was some sure. like some like dumpling that just sounded, yeah mustard green dumplings. That's what it was. That actually, the filling for the dumplings was just pure olives. It's going to be the saltiest, the saltiest the, food you've the, ever tasted. The mustard greens were used to line the bamboo uh, steamer when you steam. Right. Them. We talked about how often whatever the identified main ingredient was sometimes w- didn't appear in the dish or was listed as optional. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, I love you, Chef Watson. Yeah, that's great. You're the you're the very best chef ever. Um, 
And uh, and then, oh, it's, speaking of Star Trek, as I feel like we have a whole bunch over the past couple episodes here, uh, Star Trek Economy. Yeah. From way back in December oh, of 2014. Yeah. yeah. That was I, usually I think, economic topics aren't the thing that I'm psyched about. I think that was one of our most popular podcast episodes ever. It was, yeah. it was fun to talk about largely because uh, you know, first we got to address the fact that Star Trek has not been consistent with the way that it's treated its economy. Like essentially in Star Trek, it says money doesn't exist unless the plot requires it to. Huh. Um, yeah. But it was also just funny, fun to talk about, well, how would we – would it be possible to get to a time – when currency and wealth are no longer really a thing, or at least personal wealth isn't. Maybe, you know, species wealth, the idea of having enough resources of energy and all the other needs uh, to distribute to everybody so that there's no want or, or uh, uh, wanting of things, then um, maybe. But yeah, that was a fun one to talk about, really to, to kind of wrap your head around what would it take for us to get to that point? Uh, and it's it's mostly boils down to lots and lots of energy. And jumpsuits. Jumpsuits as well, yes. And yeah. the mm-hmm. Picard maneuver where you stand up and then you, you know, or you sit down and then you tug your... your tug your, your jumpsuit. Also, the Riker maneuver, which involves sitting in chairs by swinging your leg over the back of the chair and then sitting <laughs> down. And sometimes getting up the same way, but in reverse. <laughs> Very it's important. amazing how often he does that. Yeah, there's a great, oh, I've seen it. Or or, or rests a rests a foot on the top of a chair. Yes, like like not on the seat of a chair, like yeah. on the top of the back. Yeah, like I mean, I understand he's tall. Right. Well, and, he needs it's it's a it's a form of dominance. He's called number two, <laughs> and he has to constantly prove himself to everybody else because he's not number one. Yeah. Riker doesn't have to prove anything to you. Uh, he had to grow a beard. I was from season one to season two, and uh, it proved to me that he could grow facial hair. He can uh, very nice facial hair. Yeah, really. good job, Jonathan. Much Frakes. preferred preferred him with the beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. All right. uh, uh, also, um, also one of the episodes that you that you were not here with us for, Jonathan. Yeah, bees. Oh yeah, yeah bees. The future of bees. Yep. What was they're in my eyes. <laughs> I'm forgetting. Oh man, I wish I had looked oh, this the up. Wicker man. I, I think I, I think I have the notes open. Maybe I can go check it out. There, there was some kind of terrible, wonderful word that we discovered. Uh, that uh, we discovered a lot of things. Maybe, maybe it was just robo bees. Like, here's the, the word. There were robo bees. There was some kind of uh, there was some kind of bee vitamin. There was like a, <laughs> a thing they fed bees. You mean vitamin yeah. B? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Some kind of like uh, like bee steroids to give them powers, <laughs> give them bee powers. Man, yeah, I really oh. missed out on that one. No, that was that was Mega Bee. Mega Bee. It was called Mega Bee. Mega Bee. What was Mega Bee? Was that the stuff? Yeah, yeah. It was like a little like bee like protein shake. Oh, nice. Kinda. Yeah. Aww. That you that you feed you feed bees to to help keep them through <laughs> through the winter. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um. Th- that and. Uh, oh, I remember we did a commercial for it, didn't we? <laughs> it was. Mega Bee, beef up your paws. <laughs> <Yes>. Nice. Well, <laughs> um, I'm sad I missed all the beam activity. I'm I'm sad that you missed it too. Um, also, and and this is a visual reference because I don't remember how how good the uh, the actual episode was, but we did we did a spider episode. Yes. I think also were you were you there, I was there for, for that, for that one? one? Oh, okay, okay. 
But Joe added this amazing photograph um, into into the notes, and let me explain it to you, and then I'm going to show it to the guys for for visual reference. Um, it's it's a it's a kind of like a close up of this spider with like really pretty blue beady eyes, and uh, and it's and it's like little mandibles, and and so it's 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 very it's sort of like like fisheye lens, like like when you have like a dog that's like right up in a camera, yeah. Uh-huh. And the and the caption plastered across it is spiber, spiber, spiber. <laughs> And this, and this is what it looks like, dudes. Yeah, that's that's what that is. Did I make that image? I'm nearly. I didn't make it. Oh, I goodness. might have. Uh, and and it just it brings me such joy. Occasionally, I just think about it and I giggle. Rarely do we include uh, images in our notes, but once in a while that does happen, and it's typically for our benefit and not for yours. <laughs> but one thing we have done for your benefit is. While most of the episodes have at least some combination of the three of us in them, we've also had some other folks on our show as well. Oh, yeah. We should give them all a shout out. Yep. We, we've appreciated all of our wonderful co-hosts or co get uh, our wonderful guests. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, we, we had Holly Fry come on and talk about the future of fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one lovely time that Julie joined us for a couple episodes about uh, uh, weather control. Uh, Julie Doug- Douglas, that is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Raquel Willis talking about gender. Uh, Scott Benjamin and Benjamin, Benjamin Bolin, Bolin. <laughs> talking about uh, car computerization. I think we should just call it Scott Benjamin Bolin. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, Christian Sager talking about superheroes. Mm-hmm. Also about uh, ruins, the ruins of the future. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also Robert Liam talking about monsters. Yep. The future of monsters, like what monsters will inhabit our future. So thanks to all of them for lending their talent and expertise and making our show better and giving yeah. us giving us the opportunity to talk about subjects that not, aren't necessarily within our own wheelhouses. But uh, we have so much knowledge available here at How Stuff Works. It's actually pretty humbling. It's intimidating as, yeah. as heck. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely. A thing that, Jonathan, you have added to this show yes. is ridiculously punny titles. Punny titles and references. So I, I decided to just get a collection of some of the, the best of the worst or worst of the best <laughs> or however you want to define it. And I haven't shared this with the with Joe and Lauren, although I'm sure you both were scrolling through the the episodes and everything. Here are some of the titles that we have used in past episodes. I'm just going to go through them. We're not going to talk about necessarily what the subjects were, but there was uh, My So-Called Life Casting. It's for that MTV generation out there. Uh, No More Waking Up in a Bathtub Full of Ice. Uh, artificial organs. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Brother, brother, can you spare a 0110100? Uh, who Wants to Live Forever? Clearly okay. a reference. Okay. Uh, okay. Shades of DeGray. Oh, oh. on the Aubrey uh, DeGray episode. Yep. Uh, it's coming right for us. Uh, that was another <laughs> one. That was the autonomous car trolley okay. problem episode. Okay. Oh, um, not a, not about an asteroid? Oh, no, no. You're right. That one was the asteroid one. Yeah. Uh, then there's a 4D printing is 1D better. Uh, All right. Do robots write of electric sheep? Uh, play that funky music, Android? Uh, send in the clones. That's the best oh, one. No. Uh, babies in space. Inconceivable. Oh no. And then there was oh, also, that was about conception in yep. space. And yeah. then there was reproduction. There was babies in space. That's heavy, which was about microgravity effects on babies. Uh-huh. Uh, quick to the Zeppelin. I just think that's an awesome title. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> pew pew laser. Uh, and then there's a, that's so random parentheses number generator in parentheses. Uh, then Finding Nemo, that's N-E-E-M-O, oh. which was uh, about a oh, nautical man. facility. Uh, oh there goodness. was uh, Where We're Going, We Do Need Roads. 
computers know if you're sarcastic? Pfft, yeah, right. Uh, are cryonics cool? Oh, and, oh man. And you have 20 seconds to comply. Uh, so those are That's just some a RoboCop, the, isn't it? Yeah, it's a RoboCop because we did one about robo security, and so that ah. was the the quote I used as or the reference I used as the title. And finally, let's let's kind of conclude this with a discussion about one of the most irritating things about this show that I introduced fairly early on: opening up episodes with song quotes. Why do you say irritating? Oh, because whenever I wasn't here, you had to do it, oh. and based oh. upon the the entries you guys made, I'm guessing it wasn't necessarily fun. Oh no, it was. It was we the thing is, is well, we I always en- I, we enjoy it when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we, we would always forget. We, we would that, always forget until we were literally right in the studio. And that happened to me on a few occasions uh-huh. too, as will be apparent when I go through some of the stats. But first, I want to say that we, when we started the show, we didn't do that. Right, that wasn't something that I just did from the very beginning. Although it didn't take too long into the uh, existence of the show before I introduced it. But I was I started by just introducing silly comments about the future. Uh, in general, starting in the spring of 2013, and I would say things like, this is an actual quote, Welcome to Forward Thinking, the show where we look at the future and say, come here, you. And Well, and, that is kind of what we do, isn't it? Yeah. There was another one where it's like, how you doing? That was, uh, we look at the future and say, how you doing? <laughs> we're we're and, not like Ray Bradbury who want to prevent the future no. from happening. <laughs> so, uh, but the, the one I just referred to, the come here, you. Ray! <laughs> That one came from Hollywood Ruined Holograms, uh, okay. that episode. Uh, oh. But I hadn't started quoting songs yet. And when I did start quoting songs, I didn't go all in. Like another episode, I might just say something weird. I wouldn't necessarily quote a song or I might quote a movie. It wasn't un- until later that I got into uh, doing it frequently. But those early ones, like I was quoting some really – uh, <coughs> wonderful pieces of music like Rebecca Black's Friday or uh, the Carly Rae Jepsen song Call Me Maybe. That was one. And I remember uh-huh. when I did that one, uh, I started getting judged by you two and that's, I think, what drove me into doing it more frequently um, because it was the trolling aspect. We only was have ourselves to blame. I do, I, in about half of the episodes early on, I'm like, that sound you're hearing is Lauren shaking her head at me. <laughs> But um, uh, the from what I, t- I can tell, the first song lyric I ever referenced was "Put me in a wheelchair and get me to the show," which is from the Ramones song "I Want to Be Sedated." Uh, I'm a big fan of punk rock in general, uh, the Ramones in particular, and other stuff like rockabilly, surf rock, and garage rock. So, as well as glam and new wave, like a lot of those songs have representation. If you look at the full list. Um, that episode that I quoted that song in was Building with Bacteria, which published May 15th, 2013. Uh, by the time we got to Shades of DeGray, I was quoting songs pretty much with every episode. There were a couple of exceptions, but, um, there was a time in the summer, late summer of 2013 that I kind of stopped and I was doing other stuff, but then I came back to songs. So I decided to do some, something insane leading up to this episode. I did not get a chance to listen to every single entry. Or intro, rather. But I listened to 277 of them. Oh, my Dang. Goodness. So That is just a whole bunch. Uh, oh, buddy. Are your ears hurting? I did some. <laughs> uh, let me tell you this. I could stand to go the rest of my life without hearing Ben Boland say, welcome to forward thinking. Because I heard it. <laughs> I heard it 277 times. Uh, so here, here's some stats for you guys. First of all, we know which band I reference the most frequently. They might be giants. That's exactly right. Uh, so out of those 277 song entries, which by the way, that, that does not correspond to 277 episodes. There was one episode where I did three song quotes in a go. So that's a little different. Also, uh, there's at least 20 or 30 that I didn't get to. <laughs> but out of the 277 I listened to, 
I quoted a They Might Be Giants song 16 times. By far, by by twice as much as the next leading <laughs> uh, artist. But I bet you won't guess who the second highest uh, art, or the second most frequent artist would be. Mm, Prince? Not not really. Prince actually is a little bit further down the list. Uh, Prince had five total. Okay. I know I did Prince at least twice. Yeah, you did the same song twice. <laughs> did Purple Rain twice in a row. Oh. Um, but uh, no, uh, The Beatles. Oh, with okay. Eight. Yeah, sure. Uh, and we both did Fixin' a Hole. Uh, we both quoted Fixin' a Hole, Joe. Um, oh. uh, you and I. So that was one. And I'll talk more about some of the songs that were listed more than once in just a second. Talking Heads and uh, uh, Weird Al Yankovic were next at seven songs each. This is not my surprised face. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jonathan Colton followed up with six. <laughs> uh, to be fair, uh, actually, I guess technically it's – no, it is six because I, I quoted him in that last episode last week and I went ahead and threw that one in. Prince would be five, as well as uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show songs were done five Not times. Shocked. David Bowie, five times. Uh, Huey Lewis in the News, five times. Uh, and there's one artist that we did four times, and it was the same song every single oh time. Sticks, Mr. Roboto. Um so wow. every time I did a stick song, it ended up being Mr. Ro- Not necessarily the same did you, line. Did you just forget that you'd done it before? Yeah, because I didn't. Oh, here's the thing. This show's been going on a while. The huh? reason why I had to listen to these is because I didn't keep a, a sheet of what I had used. I didn't have a, a list. So I had to go back and make a list because oh, sure. I didn't I didn't have I, – all I was doing was listening for a, a lyric that I – typically I wanted to try to find – find something that was relevant to the topic, although that was not always the case. Um, and, and and we've been we've been doing this for three and a half years, yeah. about a hundred episodes a year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they add up pretty quickly. So here's a couple of other little stats and then we'll conclude and say goodbye to everybody about the songs. Uh, if uh, you wanted to know what trend was the biggest in besides, you know, the individual artists that were done the most uh, musicals. I quoted more musicals than any other genre. <laughs> uh, so here are some of the musicals that you may have oh heard goodness. lyrics from uh, Rocky Horror and its sequel, Shock Treatment, uh, Fame, Tommy, Mary Poppins, Les Miserables, West Side Story, Grease 2, Bye Bye Birdie, Oklahoma, A Chorus Line. Hair, Wizard of Oz, Cabaret, The Producers, Jungle Book, Sunday in the Park, Next to Normal, and I did Annie last week. So lots of musicals. Uh, then if you want to talk – we also referenced some television show themes. Joe, on one of the episodes, you said – uh, uh, the podcast that looks at the future and hums the theme to TV's Knight Rider. <laughs> so I was like, that, that that was possibly my favorite because it was the laziest and most awesome at the same time. Oh, I forgot about that. That was definitely a day that we were like, screw this lyric. We did. I, oh, I referenced show. I referenced the actual lyrics to the Star Trek theme twice. Oh my goodness! Because uh, there are lyrics to the Star sure. Trek theme. How, how about the lyrics to Yub Nub, the Ewok celebration song? No, but we did reference Jedi Rocks. Okay. For the the lightsaber episode, we talked about I I, re, I did the the alien language for the beginning of Jedi Rocks. Lauren, how did you let it happen that we never did an episode without Jonathan that did Yub Nub? <laughs> I I 
can't. I'm very disappointed well, in myself right any, now. It's not canon anymore anyway. It's not in the end of Return of the Jedi anymore. Oh, shut they your replaced mouth. Yub Nub is forever. <laughs> yeah, uh, no one can take Yub Nub away from us. Other TV show themes we mentioned or TV music that we mentioned. Uh, we mentioned Eep Up Orc Ah Ah, which came from the Jetsons. Uh, the Spider-Man theme song was referenced. Uh, the Mickey Mouse Club theme song was referenced. For songs that we use more than once, um, Mr. Roboto leads at four. But at three, we have – I'm so ashamed of this one – Bad Case of Loving You by Robert Palmer. OK. And we did that three times. I'm sorry. That's one of my mom's favorite songs. I didn't – we did a lot of medical stuff and there's only so many songs that have doctor in them that aren't about – prescribing drugs for the wrong reason or or mistreating patients. I'm like, I don't want to go that route. Um, Weird Science also three times. Space Oddity three times. Um, uh, Marvin, I Love You from Marvin the Paranoid Android three times. It's a very sweet <laughs> wow. song. It is a sweet song. Uh, Back in Time by Huey Lewis in the News three times. Purple Rain twice. Uh, Once in a Lifetime by Talking Heads was at least twice. Dr. Worm was twice from They Might Be Giants uh, and a lot of other ones. I mean, we there were tons of songs from things like Monty Python. Uh, Frank Sinatra, we did Come Fly With Me twice, but we also did Fly Me to the Moon. But that was only once. So Sinatra had some re- uh, representation. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it was fun just to look over these. And again, there's at least 20 or 30 that I didn't get to. Now, Jonathan, do you think that these uh, th- these tallies of song lyrics provide some insights about what we've learned doing the show? I think uh, mostly the insight is Jonathan is really good at searching for lyrics that contain very specific keywords, even if he isn't uh, very familiar with the song. I, I appreciate your diligence on this yeah. front. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, absolutely. There are a lot. I mean, the fact that they might be giants was used 16 times tells you that I'm an enormous. They might be giants fan, obviously. Uh, and also I used several of their songs more than once, like nanobots, even some songs that aren't widely known outside of the, the de- dedicated fan base for they mm-hmm. might be giants. Um, I think it also shows that I'm a kid of the 80s because there were an awful lot of songs that came from new wave bands, from Elton John, uh, from Pink Floyd, um, 70s and 80s songs, a lot of those. And fewer uh, – like two of the songs that Joe picked, uh, actually the same song he picked twice, uh, Toxic by Britney Spears. Um, huh. I picked that two times. Huh. Yeah, I, I actually – I color-coded uh, – Artists that other people picked, which included, you know, the Beatles fixing a hole, Prince's Purple Rain, uh, Huey Lewis in the News. Uh, Lauren quoted Hip to be Square in an episode. I did not. I was very proud of you, though. Um, <laughs> Joe, twice you referenced Blondie. Uh, also fantastic. Blondie? Yeah, Rapture and Heart of Glass. You did both. Oh, no, I did Heart of Glass. You did Rapture. Oh, OK. Because um, you did the man from Mars who's eating cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lauren, you referenced one of the greatest bands of all time, Aqua, with Barbie Girl. And it wasn't for the Hello Barbie episode because I referenced Aqua in that one. Uh, Joe, you referenced Bobby Pickett twice. um, Bobby Pickett? Yeah, because he's the guy who wrote Monster Mash. Oh, okay. Uh, You referenced Tracy Chapman once, Joe. Um, Lauren, you referenced Jamira Kwai. With virtual insanity for a VR episode. Wow. Uh, Joe, you referenced Madonna for Material Girl for a Material Science episode. I was so pr- pleased okay. with that. Uh, Lauren, you uh, referenced CeeLo Green with f- Forget You uh, once. Um, we had a couple of other things like nursery rhymes, things like or or 
baby songs like Rockabye Baby, stuff mm-hmm. like that, which uh, – also <laughs> On Top of Spaghetti. Joe, you were a big fan of those. <laughs> OK. Um, you referenced Free Falling by Tom Petty, Joe. Uh, steam powered giraffes, honeybee for the bees episode, Lauren. Uh, I did not know that I, I had never heard of steam powered giraffe and now I know it's a thing. So those are just some of the insights. Uh, and yeah. then I did every, pretty much everything else. <laughs> so I think, I think what we've learned here is that, uh, in this journey we have taken together, we all have something to be ashamed of. Yes. Uh, we all can carry that shame with us and now no longer share it with the rest of the world. At least not in this format. But uh, we have really appreciated you guys, you listeners out there. Uh, we get your your messages whenever we've had an issue with the episodes. The fact that people respond so quickly tells us that you care. So while it's frustrating to have problems, even on our side, like we don't like to see that either. But to see – it, it would be awful to have problems and no one say anything because that means no one's listening. Right. But we have dedicated listeners who love the show. And so I really appreciate that. And of course, there are tons of people who reach out and say wonderful, positive things to us. And we appreciate you guys. Oh, yeah. We are frequently really bad at answering those messages um, and, and apologies. You've never been shouting into a void um, or or saying lovely things into a void, whichever right. one it is. Um, but uh, uh we, we, we tend to get really very quite busy with with other projects around the office here. And uh Many of those projects are going to be continuing. Yeah, we should talk about that. So, uh, Lauren, first let people know what other stuff you work on so that they can check that out. Uh, right now, um, my huh, – what are my main projects? That's an interesting question that I haven't really thought out the answer to. Um, I'm, I'm doing a, a video series and also a podcast a podcast, yeah. podcast called How Stuff Works Now, mm-hmm. which is virtually ungoogleable, but I have faith in y'all. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I do writing and performance for a bunch of other How Stuff Works video kind of stuff. So, uh, so, so watch the How Stuff Works channel. Uh, in in general, and and kind of be on the lookout. Hopefully, hopefully, sometime relatively soon, I will have a new podcast to talk to you guys about. Yeah. Um, and oh, and those live things. The, yeah. Uh, the Facebook live stuff. Yes. Uh, like uh, snack stuff and other snack, stuff. Snack stuff and uh, and etc. Um, usually happens either Monday around three p.m. Eastern or Friday around three p.m. Eastern. Lauren, what is snack stuff? Is that like where you eat those cappuccino flavored potato chips? That is exactly what happens sometimes. Except <laughs> we haven't had one of the uh, cappuccino flavored ones. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Ben Bolin and I uh, get together on Facebook Live for about 40 minutes or so. Although frequently, Dylan subjects himself to whatever we have brought as well. And um, sometimes and I do. We, we yeah, so, so yeah, we, we we bring weird snacks and we eat them and we talk a little bit a little bit about them. Um, it's it's a lovely time. And we get to eat on camera, which is a dream of all of ours <laughs> to just have all of those great mouth noises and weird expressions that you make when that's occurring. Yep. Broadcast live to the world. Joe, what about you? Well, I am also one of the hosts of the podcast Stuff to Blow Your Mind, uh, one of How Stuff Works' other podcasts with uh, our co-workers Robert Lamb and Christian Sager. We mm-hmm. cover primarily science but also with a tinge of culture, history, monsters, weirdness, uh, anything to make you squirm. And uh, you can find us at StuffToBlowYourMind.com. I also write for How Stuff Works Video. So if you keep an eye out for How Stuff Works, the, the How Stuff Works Video channel where Lauren will be doing things, I will be doing them there as well. Yeah. Uh, I co well, now I host a show called Tech Stuff. Occasionally co-host because I grab people all the time to s- sit in and uh, join and 
we talk about technology, how it works and how it works on us or with us. Uh, and those topics can be very technical or they can be really kind of more like on the philosophical side of things. It all depends upon the topic at the time. So you can check that episode, uh, those episodes out. There's like a 800 of them. So you, if you haven't listened to tech stuff, you've got some catching up to do. Big back catalog, uh, including stuff that is incredibly out of date. So it's really entertaining. <laughs> um, you can also find me hosting other videos occasionally, including How Stuff Works Now videos. I also write for How Stuff Works Now. So uh, check that out. And um, yeah, you never know what else will pop up on. And as we said before, the Forward Thinking video series is going to continue. It's just the audio podcast that we're kind of uh, pulling back from so that we can dedicate our time and work on other projects as well. Uh, and again, it's not that we don't love you. It's that we have a limited amount of time and so much we want to do. Um, we have had a great time exploring these topics. I want to say it's been a really excellent adventure to go on with y'all. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank both of you for for being here. Yeah, it's it's been a good time. You know, we really got to explore a lot of topics and and look into things that with a great a lot more depth than we could with the video series. Obviously, with the video series, they're about three to four minutes long, and we really want to hit like the 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 big bullet points but in the podcast we've been able to dive into some research and learn stuff that was fascinating mind bending sometimes it was infuriating it all depended on the topic and we're so glad you guys came along with us on that journey and uh i guess you can uh, continue to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, I, I imagine that both of those I'll still be maintaining moving forward. Uh, but if you have any suggestions for future audio podcasts, um, okay. Maybe be on the lookout for some videos instead. Yeah, yeah. it's quite possible because uh, this is we, – we're now coming to a conclusion. I, I honestly don't know how to end this because every episode I say we'll talk to you again really soon. But uh, I guess I guess that's – it's not, you know what? Go back and start at episode one and just work your way through. And, and if you do that, we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, 
Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 